0: Lucy had walked into Judy's barn dozens of times since she started working there six months before, but she had never felt so conflicted upon seeing the place. It was both the scene of her worst mistake and the source of this flickering sense of joy. She didn't trust either emotion. This is GP Gottlieb, host of New Books in Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. And today I'm talking to Elizabeth Child Shelburne about her debut, Holding On to Nothing. Set in a small mountain town in Tennessee, Shelburne describes an alcoholic young man who never had a reason to believe in himself and a driven young woman who longs to escape but ruins her chances in a drunken moment in the backseat of a car. We've all heard that story before, but what happens afterwards is a heartbreaking tale of small actions leading to large consequences. Hi, Elizabeth. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really am excited to be here. So tell me, why did you dedicate this novel to the state of Tennessee? Uh,
1: Tennessee is just, it's my home. It's where I grew up. I grew up in East Tennessee in the mountains. And uh, no matter how long I've been gone, it's still my home. When people ask me, where are you from? I answer Tennessee, even if they're just trying to arrange carpool pickup for my kids. In Massachusetts. <laughs> so it's just home. It really is. Okay. And how did you come to write this particular story? You know, I um obviously grew up in, like I said, in East Tennessee, grew up uh, sort of sitting on the front porch, listening to my dad tell stories a lot. He's a wonderful storyteller um, and wonderful reader. And my mom was a writer. um, And so I was just always brought up in this kind of storytelling tradition. And I, I always felt a little bit like I didn't see the East Tennessee that I knew reflected on the page. And I wanted to try to put that on the page, but really it wasn't sort of a thematic thing that got me there. It was, I'm really into books for the characters. I read for the characters. I write for the characters. Um, And it's just sort of these two characters kind of came to me. Um, Jephthah, um, you know, I just sort of knew he'd be this guy. I met a guy on the, on the side of the road once named Jephthah. And um, he was much, much older than this Jephthah is. Um, But, you know, it was two in the afternoon and he'd already been drinking and, Um, making bad decisions already for the day. And I just, I wondered, I wonder what that guy would have been like in his 20s. Again, you know, drinking, making bad choices. Uh, I knew there'd be guns around, if there'd be, you know, family dysfunction. Um, And so I kind of started thinking about him. And then Lucy came to me with this line. She had a smile that made people feel safe, even though she never really felt that way. And I knew pretty instantly that she was someone who would experienced a lot of loss in her life um, and was just sort of looking for a safe place to land um, and was just a really strong person. And so I knew if I could get these two in the same room, there would be a story there. Uh, and that's, that's kind of how this story got started. That was the genesis of it. It's been through many, many drafts um, and has changed you know, some along the way. Uh, but it's, it's definitely those are the two characters, the reason I got into it.
0: So when we meet Jephthah, well, throughout the book, he's struggling to be a better man. Did you want him to succeed? I, you know, I actually, it's
1: funny. In the beginning, Jephthah was not a point of view character. He was in the story, but he didn't have a perspective. And um, I started i had done a couple drafts from that um from that angle and due to some really great readers they'd kind of nicely smacked me upside the head and said you know you really need to to get jeff perspective in there and i i was resistant at first i think because i was afraid of kind of writing that character that sort of comes from that family that everyone goes oh no you know he's a tailor or a so-and-so whatever the name is for whatever place you grew up in um i was a little scared because it's much easier to kind of keep him as a bad guy and a villain, um, it's much simpler. And once I started writing him, he got much more complex. And I really, I kind of fell in love with him, to be honest. I, um, not in a way where I'd like to marry him, but, <laughs> um, but in a way where I just, he became a really sympathetic character. And um, again, who really struggles. He really, I wanted him throughout the book to work hard and to always be trying to be that better man. But he's an alcoholic. And he never really had a good role model for what that might look like. And it's really hard to be a better man in those circumstances. But I always wanted him to try um, and to, you know, for me, it was as much a surprise uh, whether he was going to succeed or not as it was to, you know, anybody reading it in the writing of it, um, sort of figuring out
0: what was he, you know, was he going to make it or not? Everyone in town knows that Jephthah's family, the Taylors, are just terrible people. Why? Why are the Taylors so disparaged?
1: Well, I think they're like again. I think this is the case. maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think it's the case that you know we're probably no matter where you grow up, there's there's that family that um, just everyone knows. You know, you kind of stay away from if you have if you have half a choice, mm-hmm. uh, and they definitely fall into that category. You know, his his grandfather uh, yeah. is a, a drinker, his dad is a drinker. They've been arrested more times than anyone could count. Um, Anytime there's a problem in town, you know, everyone's pretty sure a tailor is going to be involved. Um, And they're just, you know, and again, I think a lot of that, frankly, you know, boils down to just poverty and sort of the trauma people go through in their early childhood. And again, it's just really hard to make good choices and be a better man sometimes when your um, life has from the beginning been so hard. Uh, So I just I wanted to write a little bit about about that and
0: that struggle. Lucy, your other protagonist, has she's had a tough life, but she's filled with hopes and dreams. So, did you know what her trajectory was going to be when
1: you started out? Hers, I did. I had a better sense of what she was going to do, and I knew Lucy was always, like I said, going to be someone who would experienced a lot of lo- a lot of loss in her life. But that I had this vision of her always as this kind of scarred optimist. That uh, no matter what was going on, she really kind of maintained the possibility or believed in the possibility that um, that people could change, that they could be better. Um, and that applies to herself too, right? That her life could change, that it could get better. She always believes that. And, and I love that idea of someone who had been through as much as she's been through and kind of continued to, um, again, continue to have those hopes and dreams. Like you said,
0: Mm -hmm. the town they live in seems to represent small Southern towns all over the South, right? Was that based on real life experience, like Eastern Tennessee?
1: I mean, it's certainly inspired by it. It's definitely not based on any one place. The fun part about fiction is you get to kind of take, you know, the best or the worst, whatever you need for your purposes that day <laughs> um, and put them into a town. So, you know, I got to put the Walmart right next to the bar, which wouldn't, doesn't still, a freestanding bar still doesn't exist um, in in the town uh, where I had grown up for part of my life. Uh, so it's, you know, inspired by, by those places. But I like when I hear people say that it seems to, um, feel familiar, even if they're from, you know, a small town in Louisiana or North Carolina, or, you know, frankly, I had someone who had written me and said, you know, I'm from a small town in Canada and this, this feels so, um, so like my, my life and my home. And I, I just recognized it so much. So, you know, I, I, it makes me happy to hear that it's not, just applicable to this one, you know, one little corner of Tennessee. But there's hopefully kind of the town is is representative of
0: um, of small towns, maybe everywhere. Well, I live in the city of Chicago, and I'm I'm from here also. So this is uh, it's not something I'm familiar with, but it seemed like um, that there were stereotypical aspects of the Appalachian area like alcoholism, and guns, and joblessness. So you're saying those are not stereotypes? That's true to form? <laughs> Tell us about that.
1: I think sometimes Appalachia gets viewed through this kind of outsider lens, and um, that can feel sort of the things that are, that are true, that happen, and are, are just um, kind of part of life growing up there, can um, start to read like stereotypes. But the thing about stereotypes is that not always, but sometimes there is an element of truth to them. Uh, And those, you know, working at the Walmart, the Walmart is one of the biggest employers in small towns. um, And there are guns around and there is alcohol. You know, there's a lot of alcohol around. Um, And I think those things, um, you know, can seem stereotypical, but they're also just true. And my hope was, you know, that if you were able to get, into the character and to kind of dive underneath the stereotypes. They wouldn't feel like stereotypes anymore. They just feel like, you know, real people living real lives.
0: Hmm. Mm -hmm. So since you mentioned her in the book, where does Dolly Parton fall on your list of favorite singers? Explain, and please explain the part about her being both country and mountain. Let's talk about the geography and Dolly Parton.
1: Yeah, I mean, Tennessee is a really long state. I'll start with that. It, if you drew a line on a map uh, from where I grew up in East Tennessee to Memphis, um, that line would be longer than if you drew a line from where I grew up in East Tennessee to Canada. So Tennessee's really long. Uh, so it's very different, right? Um, and I think East Tennessee is um, definitely part of the Appalachians, it's part of the mountains, it's not a flat um, space where you can grow a lot. It's tough to, it's tough to farm there. Uh, it's tough, you know, to live there. There are still, there's still a lot of poverty. And so I think that's part of what I was responding to. And that's what I was talking about when I was talking about the mountain versus country. Um, and I, you know, I love Dolly. I think she is a national treasure. I've, I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I, I really, I just think she is an incredible, a woman, an incredible singer. She does so much for uh, for the people of East Tennessee and beyond. Her imagination library has given away more than one hundred million books because uh, her father didn't read, and she wanted to change that. And I just think that's an incredible story, you know. And you look at uh, the people who were affected by the fires in Gatlinburg in twenty sixteen. She's given so much money towards them and towards supporting them and. Just has done so much um, for both East Tennessee, but beyond. She's really just a light, I think, in the in the world. I I you know I like to think of her as an angel.
0: Hmm, that's awfully sweet. So, Jephthah's parents are dead, and he shares their land with his two siblings. What can you say about his brother and sister, and how they treat Jephthah? They are not nice people.
1: (laughs) It's just true. They are not good people. And they're kind of fun to write because they are a bit more purely villainous. Uh, Deanna, his sister, especially. Bobby, I think, is probably more clueless. Deanna is definitely aware of everything she's doing and and pretty mean about it. Uh, They don't have a ton of respect for Jephthah. They've, you know, he's their youngest brother. They've always looked down on him. Um, And, you know, and, and don't make any attempts to help him or help his life be better and share that land kind of unhappily basically. But his brother is shrewd and cunning
0: and cheating.
1: It's, his, brother, his brother is those things, but I think it's really, um, it's Deanna who's kind of the, who's, who's driving the, driving the boat on that one. So Bobby's the sister. sister. Yeah. Deanna, the sister, Bobby is, is um, involved in a lot of the execution, but Deanna is definitely the big, the big idea person.
0: Mm-hmm. And she's been mean since she was a child. Oh, she's just born that way. A lot of fun scenes about how she behaves. <laughs> Thank you. I had fun writing her because, she, again,
1: she's so purely evil. It's kind of, you know, there's something sort of delicious about it. You know, you, she's, she's half a step away from cackling.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but the whole business about the growing tobacco on their land would that have, is that something that people could really do with the, the the two brothers doing it with just a couple of hired hands? Yeah, it is. I mean, they have a pretty big allotment,
1: um, and so that would require you know a lot of work. It would require the whole family to kind of pitch in um, for sure. But they definitely also try to bring in as few people as possible because they want to try to keep as much as they can. Um, tobacco is definitely a sort of heart you know back breaking work. Um, and there's, there, again, their allotment's pretty big. Um, and I, I did that on purpose. I, I, it's probably slightly larger than, um, than what, than what you might see on the average farm. But, um, I wanted them to have a little bit, I wanted it to, to kind of have some money that would, you know, where they could actually make it
0: and try to depend on that. Mm-hmm. So then Lucy's parents are also gone and she's been raised by her mother's best friend who starts to feel a bit too controlling what's going on there
1: yeah i it's funny people sometimes have really polarizing reactions to Ellen. she uh she is very much loves lucy um and really does want to try to help her um but doesn't always know the best way to love. Um, not that any of us do, but she sometimes struggles. And I think there's a line in the book about being loved by Llewellyn could feel a little bit like being waterboarded by love. Um, she's just very intense and, um, she wants so much to help Lucy, but also, you know, to help Lucy in the way that she thinks Lucy should be helped. Um, she's not necessarily as interested in, um, and letting Lucy figure out her own way in life. She definitely thinks there's a way that, that Lucy should do things and wants her to do it that way. And previously, before the sort of inciting incident of the book, that had been fine because Lucy was just sort of, um, you know, on the path that she was on. and She's going to stay on that path. It didn't. She, there wasn't a lot of friction there. But as the book opens and Lucy gets pregnant and has to decide kind of how to live her life with that and with and being pregnant, um she then certain suddenly there's a lot more friction between her
0: and Lou Allen. Mm-hmm. And then there's a character who's an outsider that's Lucy's boss. Well, also Jephthah's boss when he performs with his band, but Lucy's boss at the bar. How is she different because of her outsider status?
1: Yeah, she, um. She Judy is, I love her. She is a, one of my favorite kind of side small characters. Although she plays a big role in the book. She is sort of this kind of bartender with the with the wisdom. Um, she's actually based on a, a real bartender named Judy who uh, worked at a bar called the Cantab up here in Cambridge, um, where I spent every Tuesday night for about four years when I mo- first moved up here. Um, feeling hot, feeling sort of homesick and and lonesome and spent a lot of time uh, sitting at Judy's bar, watching her exist in the world and kind of dismiss the people in the bar who were complaining loudly and talking a lot, but taking really good care of the people who were sort of sitting there quietly, um, you know, looking into their beer. And, and um, she she had a way of kind of knowing who who had actually suffered real loss in their life or, you know, really needed an ear. And I just, I loved her. And I, it was nice to have her in the book because sometimes she could see some things that um, people that had grown up in this town could not. She could sometimes be a little bit of an outside voice and see a little bit where they could not. Um, and sometimes she missed things too. Cause she didn't, you know, she doesn't know what it means um, to be a tailor or know what it, you know, know about Lucy's um, parents been gone. And so there's things she's missed, she misses by being an outsider, but there's a lot she sees that people from within the town cannot.
0: Mm-hmm. We touched on Walmart a little bit, but Walmart is like another important character in the story. Lucy works there, everyone shops there. And she's in the gun department because, um, what was it? Because people buy more guns when the salespeople are cute. Yes. What's pretty girl.
1: Up? Pretty girl. What? <laughs> Yeah, that was okay. it. Let's so discuss. I- <laughs> I'll be honest and say I have not worked in the gun department at Walmart. So Walmart may come and find me and say that's so wrong, but I kind of doubt it. Uh, <laughs> I think it's probably the case that if you okay. uh, if you want to if you want to make people feel protective, uh, you should definitely put a pretty pregnant girl there in the gun department and I bet they'll get a lot a lot more protective real quick as long as she knows her stuff. Yes. Yes, right. you can't
0: you can't you can't not. You got to know what you're talking about. So there have been other books about the south, about small towns, about young girls getting pregnant by mistake, etc., about about young girls choosing the wrong partner. So what makes your book different from all those other books?
1: I mean, I think The truth is, like, we're only ever telling a few stories anyway. So I think it's the case that, um, yes, that story's been told before. But yes, that story keeps happening. So for me, it was a chance to kind of explore that story in this specific town and this specific place with these specific characters. Um, And with, you know, getting able, being able to put in lots of music was a really important piece for me to be able to include that in this town in this story so that it almost becomes a character too. Uh, Yeah, I I I want to
0: talk about that. Let's talk (laughs) about that next.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just grew up with a ton of music around. And I think it's funny, I didn't even growing up didn't even know that I really liked country music or bluegrass music, um, and probably would have told you if you'd asked that I didn't. But then once I left, and it wasn't the background, uh, to my life anymore, I realized how much I missed it. It was just always around. I didn't have to think about whether I liked it or not because it was always there. And once it was gone, I really, I realized, Oh gosh, I really do love this. Um, and so, yeah, so I wanted to have that in there and have that feeling of sort of music. And for me, it has always been, um, something that I fall back on to kind of process my world and think about what's going on. And I knew for these characters, it would be that too. Um, And I knew that Jephthah would have this, you know, I wanted him to have a couple of redeeming traits to look really bad on paper, but have a couple things that made him worth something. And the mandolin is one of those. He's a wonderful mandolin player
0: and he loves it. So if I were to ask you who, aside from Dolly Parton, are your top five country singers, who would you say? Those are. that's a really good
1: question. I really love some of the bluegrass musicians playing right now. Um, I love Sam Bush um, and there's a an old group now it's called Olden in the way, but it had Jerry Garcia, David Grissom, and Tony Rice who are incredible musicians playing um, and I actually was just at the Dolly Parton show in Nashville two three weekends ago. It's her fiftieth anniversary um show at at the Opry and uh, Lady Antebellum came on and played three or four songs and they are, Oh, they're,
0: they're wonderful. Good. <laughs> they're <good. laughs> yeah, they're good. Okay. You get two more.
1: Oh, two more. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I am obsessed with Chris Stapleton. I just think his voice is absolutely stunning and I could listen to him. Um, probably seeing his, sing his grocery list, I think. Um, and Sturgill Simpson also, those two.
0: Okay. That, that was just for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, <there you> go. <laughs> Thank you so much. I've taken up a lot of your time, Elizabeth, so I'd like to ask one last question. What, what are you working on now? What's your next writing project?
1: I am actually working on a book. It's also set in East Tennessee and one or two of the side characters from this book come back for that one um, and it's about a woman named Alice who is a doctor. She's working in East Africa. She's a tuberculosis researcher, and due to some things that happen in Kenya, she'll kind of do anything to, to leave, including take over her father's medical practice in East Tennessee. But unbeknownst to her or to anyone else, there's a tuberculosis epidemic that's about to break out there. Um, mm. Yeah, so it's sort of a it's okay. kind of different, different kind Ooh. of book, literary pandemic thriller sort of. Uh, But it's been really fun and really fun to, to sit there and a fun way to kind of look at some of the um, issues with healthcare that happen in small rural areas. Uh, It's
0: sort of a fun way to look at that. I will look forward to seeing that one. Thank you so much for joining me today. It was lovely talking to you. Oh, thank you so much. This was great. Thank you. And thank you for joining me. Again, this is GP Gottlieb, author of the Whipped and Sipped Mystery Series and host of New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today, I've been talking with Elizabeth Childs Shelburne, author of Holding On to Nothing. If you enjoyed today's podcast and would like to discuss it further with me and other New Books Network listeners, please join us on Shuffle. Shuffle is an ad-free, invite-only network focused on the creativity community. As NBN listeners, you can get special access to conversations with a dynamic community of writers and literary enthusiasts. Sign up by going to www.shuffle.do forward slash NBN forward slash join.